Welcome to Recloseted Radio, the top-rated podcast for slow fashion founders. Whether you're thinking about launching a slow fashion brand, scaling an existing sustainable apparel company, or looking to make a brand more environmentally friendly, we have you covered. I'm your host, Selena Ho, and each week I'm sharing my proven strategies or interviewing industry experts. Without any further ado, let's get started. Welcome back to Recloseted Radio. I'm really excited for today's episode because I brought on my friend, Elisa Cause, who is a sustainable lifestyle advocate and a personal development enthusiast. And we covered a wide range of topics, including conscious living, and we also dived deep into influencer marketing, and we approached it from a brand perspective. So how can brands approach influencer marketing more consciously and sustainably and be more mindful? And also how brands can also try to get an investment on their marketing spend. We also, though, talked about it from an influencer's perspective and how these business owners can also approach it more consciously as well. This was a really great discussion, and without any further ado, let's get into the interview. Welcome to Recloseted Radio, Elisa. I am so excited to be here with you today. I know that we've been talking back and forth now for a couple of years, and we wanted to meet up in person last year, but obviously COVID happened. So regardless, I'm still really excited to finally be able to sit down with you and have this conversation. Thank you so much for inviting me, Selena. I was really looking forward to our little chat, and I'm excited to be here. Awesome. And to kick things off, I always ask the same first question, but do you mind telling our listeners and our community a little bit more about you and what your background is? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm from Russia. I was born and raised in Moscow, where I finished school and then studied public relations. I never got to work in the industry, though, because I began working as a flight attendant, first for an airline and then on a private jet. Um, in 2017, another kind of fun began, and <laughs> I moved to Spain, began blogging, and here I am now. I live in the countryside. Um, I write about things, and I study again. Yeah, and do you want to tell everyone what you're studying right now? I study interior architecture and design. It's been my dream since I was nine, but you know how it goes adults ask you who you want to be when you grow up you tell them and they're like it's not gonna bring any money <laughs> it's just something else <laughs> and now I'm an adult myself and um, I decided that I have to go for it since I have this opportunity you know and time to study why not yeah totally and being friends with you now for a couple of years I know firsthand how conscious and how mindful you are but I know that people don't, they're not born that way. And it's definitely an intentional choice. So I would love for you to share what prompted you to become a more conscious consumer. A skin rash. <laughs> the same year I moved to Spain, my husband, back then boyfriend, and I, we went on vacation and I needed a sunscreen. I bought the cheapest one I found because I was like, whatever, we're in the supermarket, let's just grab this thing and try it. And I had a horrible, horrible rash. I was all red and itchy for like 
one week and my skin is not that sensitive actually. And that's how I got into clean beauty. So my journey started with clean beauty product. I began more careful with the things I was eating because I began to see how everything's linked, you know, what you put in your body, what you put on your body. And then I watched the true cost and it changed everything. It was very uh, eye-opening and heartbreaking. (laughs) And I began to see even more links, um, how it's like one big messy thing uh, the fashion and zero waste and food and um, clean beauty and human rights. And it was all overwhelming, but also exciting because I wanted to understand and see if I could do something. Yeah. And I've also talked about the true cost before too. So it's cool to see that it really sparked your slow fashion journey as well. And for me, I'm personally still trying to switch over to clean beauty and cleaner skincare. It's something I'm working on this year. But do you have any tips for people that want to start switching? Like, is there certain websites you found really helpful or certain resources? You know, it's something I still struggle with, too, because um, at the beginning, I switched to um, I switched almost all products that I used to something cleaner. And there is an app, I don't know if it still exists, I guess, yes, it, it, it's called Think Dirty. Um, it doesn't work that well in Europe because most of the products that reviewed and uh, sold in the app, you can find in the, U- in the US and Canada. But I tried to find some alternatives. And my advice would be to try and see if you like it, but everybody has different needs. Uh, for example, right now, my skin needs, um, needs very specific acids <laughs> that I'm yet to find on a clean beauty market. Like, I need some products that I cannot substitute. I at least try to go for something cruelty-free. It's like, it's very difficult to check all the boxes, you know, and vegan, cruelty-free, uh, organic, ethical, everything, everything, everything. So go for something that works for you. Try it out. If it doesn't work, don't feel guilty for going to the product you used before because it's not about being perfect. It's about um, little steps, right? Yeah, 100%. And talking about little steps and still working on things, is there actually something in particular that you're still working on when it comes to your conscious living journey? Apart from, apart from clean beauty products, um, it's perfectionism that I've just mentioned (laughs) it sometimes seems like perfectionism perfectionism has nothing to do with uh, slow fashion and zero waste but if a person is stressing too much about doing the right thing uh, this person will burn out eventually and end up doing nothing because we're we're no use if we are tired and exhausted and just hiding under the blanket, right? And in my case, uh, when I just started blogging, I was comparing myself to people that have been on this journey for years. And I felt like nothing I was changing in my lifestyle mattered compared, compared to the changes they have made. And soon I had another kind of pressure because as I was gaining Um, some followers and they were asking questions I felt like I had to tell people what to do and how to do it 
and I wanted to look like an expert because I was counting on brand deals and brands, maybe not every brand, but most of the brands want to see you as an, uh, want to see you as an expert because um, you are their face, you represent their product. Now I understand that we all have to start um, with our mental health and we have to take better care of ourselves to take care of, of our planet because all the changes, they begin in our head. Yes, I totally agree with you. I also think that people, when they first start out, be it their slow fashion journey or their clean beauty journey, or they try to become vegan, there's so much pressure to do it perfectly from the beginning. And there's a lot of stress around, okay, if I'm not doing it perfectly, then I may as well not be doing it at all. And I don't think that all or nothing approach is really helpful because it's really impossible and really unrealistic to think that the next day you're going to wake up and all of your beauty products will be perfect and all of your clothes will be thrifted or from sustainable designers. And then you're only going to eat plant-based for the rest of your life. And, you know, like I think sometimes there's some people out there that promote that lifestyle and it's amazing, but to your point, it really puts a lot of pressure on people that are just starting and you feel like you need to be perfect. And so, yeah, I think it's a really great point. You talk about how it's, you know, you need to focus on your own development. You need to take it one step at a time, focus on your mental health. And I also think that nowadays people appreciate transparency and authenticity. So if you even share like, hey, I, you know, I, I'm doing this, but I'm still working on this and you can come along on my journey. I think it makes it more genuine and then you don't have to put so much pressure to seem like an expert. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so kind of going more into, you know, that quote unquote influencer job and how it's really taking off, which is amazing because there's so many more female entrepreneurs now. But for that whole industry, something that really bothers me is, you know, I'm a marketer. I love marketing and I think influencer marketing is a really, really cool tactic for brands. But how do you think we can approach it more mindfully and sustainably? I wish I had a, I wish I had a universal answer, but as we are all so different, I don't think that there is an approach that fits everybody. Um, what charges one person drains another person. And if we talk about sustainability that we can measure, like the impact of our actions, the impact our actions have on the environment, then I believe influencers have to be more transparent about how much clothing they have, products, yeah, not just clothing. And I know not everybody likes this idea. I brought it up in the past and I, I, got, a, I got feedback from readers, not from other bloggers, <laughs> because it's like, it's like kind of getting naked, you know? Um, here, yeah, I got, I got, I don't know, 20 deals this year and about 100 things. Still, I think it is a great idea because we demand transparency from brands and we say that we offer transparency, but it's not really the case. And then influencers have a deal, a new deal every week, and then there are frequent thrift hauls and things like that. Getting a little bit in a gray area, you know, when you talk about a good thing, but yeah, it's like there, there, 
you're still not that open. And I really liked um, Signe of Useless. I hope I pronounced her name right. Uh, <laughs> on the blog, she shared how many new garments she ended up having through working with friends or shopping in 2020. And she got pregnant. She gave birth, which means she needed, well, maybe not a completely different closet, but quite a few new things. And I loved it. And she also felt very vulnerable, but it inspired other people to share how many things they added to their closet. And I think it's very inspiring. Yeah. As to different kind of sustainability, because I said that there are like different kinds and I cannot find a word for that. I would call it mental sustainability. <laughs> no, totally. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, you are the only one who can say what's right for you. And in the end of 2019, I burned out because I said yes to too many unpaid opportunities, hoping to get exposure and eventually maybe paid deal. And it never happened. And I just got very, very tired. And I know that other people feel all right with that. And it wasn't just sustainable for me, you know, but it doesn't mean it's not right for other people. Yeah, and everyone's different and will approach things differently. So that totally makes sense. And I, I think the whole thing that really bothers me and potentially other brands as well that are more slow fashion brands is you know, a lot of these fashion influencers or beauty influencers will get so many PR packages from so many different brands. And I don't know, it kind of just breaks my heart a little bit because they're just one person and they don't need all of this clothes. But then at the same time, I get it. You want to get your product in front of them. You want them to see it, test it, wear it. But it's just interesting to see potentially how that could be a little bit thought of differently. Like I have some clients now that they'll work with slow fashion influencers, but then they'll ask them like, is this something you'll actually wear after? Is this actually a style that you think like will go with your wardrobe? And, you know, are you actually going to use it? Or is this just going to be another piece that you wear and you post a picture and you never touch it again? You know, like I think just being more mindful of that uh, because they get so much stuff to your point and it's, it's just a lot. Yeah, and I really appreciate when brands ask me if it's something that I'm going to use because that's the entire point that my followers and, well, my friends and family, they see me wearing this thing, you know, that's the real promotion. But <laughs> that's where it happens in real life. You, your, your friend sees you, they like your outfit and they're like, okay, where you got it? And you tell them this whole story. So it's very nice. A few times brands, just told me okay we have this and that for you and I know now that I should have said no because mm, it wasn't exactly what I wa wanted but again I wanted to grow and I felt bad for saying no it's like oh a mix of all these feelings and thoughts I know and sometimes it's also hard for influencers just starting out or entrepreneurs just starting out because you can feel that potentially you might miss the next big deal or you might feel that this is as good as it's going to get and sometimes there's pressure to say yes to things even if it's not 100% aligned with your values or not 100% aligned with what feels good to you. From my perspective, I would say just know what your values are 
know what you stand for and just approach it in that regard and just have a lot of faith and belief and trust in yourself and in the process. And I know it's one thing for me to sit here and say that because I'm not necessarily in it and it's, you know, like this is someone else's business and this is someone else's personal brand, but those are my thoughts. And I don't know, Elisa, if you have any different opinions or what you think. I think you are in it because you have the perspective of both sides. You understand how influencers think and you understand how brands think and you are in marketing. You like, you have it all. <laughs> I agree with you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That's very sweet. And so speaking of brands, on the flip side, how do you think brands can approach influencer marketing more sustainably and mindfully? And, you know, I think we talked about this a little bit already, but would love to get more of your thoughts. I have a very silly advice. <laughs> I think that it's great when brands pronounce my name right. <laughs> not just my name, anybody's, you know. It shows that, you know, that I'm not Alicia or Alice. I'm Alisa. And I appreciate when um, they, they tell me that they know a little bit about my content. Like, hey, I liked your recent blog post or your Instagram post resonated with me, blah, blah, blah. Um, I understand that it's impossible sometimes, yeah, to really dig into um, somebody's content because... Um, not everybody has time for that, but like if you're brand and you found an influencer you like, um, it's going to take five minutes for you to see, to read and go through the last thing they posted, right? And it's already um, a very nice conversation opener. And it shows that you are interested in this particular person and not in just promoting your product. I think it's also important to clarify whether or not this opportunity is paid but I would like to get your opinion on that one <laughs> because you are the one working in marketing and it's interesting to hear what a businesswoman thinks about it yeah so for a lot of our clients which for those of you that don't know we work with brands as our clients so for a lot of the brands we work with I tell them to definitely be upfront about it like if you don't have budgets and you're going to do kind of send product then tell them and ask them if they are okay with that and if they're not that's okay like you can just tell them we'll come back to you when we grow our brand and we have budgets and then if there is opportunity for budgets you definitely want to say that upfront and then kind of go back and forth with the influencer about how much they charge but actually, I think this is a good segue into a topic I wanted to talk about. Sometimes I think there's some influencers that charge like a quote unquote fair rate. And then there's some that are just like you don't know where the numbers are coming from. So I don't know if you have any thoughts around that, too, because one of my clients actually got quoted $10,000 for a post and the girl's engagement wasn't even that great and her following wasn't super huge. I totally respect charging what you want to charge, but I also think there's certain situations where it's a little bit like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I don't know where that came from, but okay. <laughs> Everybody has to understand that this is a game and it's a negotiation and that um, just like influencer doesn't really know how much he or she is going to get for collaboration because they have to negotiate it with the brand. 
it's I don't think it happens often when a brand comes to you and says, hey, we pay you this and that, you know, um, the brands should be ready to negotiate too. Um, I haven't had a paid collaboration in a very long time because I haven't been active on Instagram, um, you know, crazy year and studies and everything. But in my media kit and my rates, I set them a little bit higher so I can negotiate. And usually that's how it works um, because there is, there is no manual on how much to charge. And there are some formulas and people on YouTube and everywhere telling you how much to charge and based on your engagement, based on your followers, but you sell value, really. You don't really sell the numbers. You know, you might, you might have 3,000 followers, but they're super engaged and they trust your word and they buy what you say. It's going to be more effective to work with an influencer that has 3,000 followers than the one that has 30 and no comments and no engagement and no, like, his followers are not invested, you know? I appreciate what you were saying about the fact that you have a media kit and you probably have your statistics in there. And then for your costing, you probably have put some thought into how the numbers appeared. But I think in the example I just talked about, like the, the girl didn't even send anything, I think. I think she would just sent the rate like, oh, it's 10,000 a post. And then it was kind of like, that was that. And we were like, okay. <laughs> Maybe she had a bad day and she was like, okay. I have nothing to lose. <laughs> yeah, maybe she was just super busy or something. I don't know. But yeah, so that was interesting. But on the flip side, from a brand's perspective, I always tell brands that even if you don't get a sale from an influencer collaboration, I think that's okay because we are now in a digital marketing age where you can track everything. And so because you can track everything, there's always this appetite that if I spend, you know, Facebook advertising or Instagram advertising, I'm going to get a sale. And then for influencer marketing, if you spend money, you, there's also that expectation to get a sale attached to it. But then sometimes, you know, it's just about like building your brand awareness or building their reach. And brands used to invest in magazine ads. There was no tracking for those magazine ads or those billboard ads, and it's infinitely more expensive. So. I don't know. I, I think it's just interesting. Like people are just so sales oriented now and there's just less of an appetite to just take the time to build your brand. I can, I can understand those people because the competition is crazy. And <laughs> while it became on one hand easier to sell something on social media, it's also more complicated because there is a fierce competition for users' attention, you know? Yeah, I mean, I get it because it is really competitive nowadays and you do want to make sure that the money you invest in has a return. And I'm totally not saying that you shouldn't expect any sales from influencers, but I think you should also remember that it takes time to build your brand from the ground up and it just takes time to go through the funnel. So for brands that are just starting out and perhaps don't have budgets for actual influencer campaigns and perhaps can't afford to pay, do you have any tips for them? Yeah, I think that unpaid collaborations are fine as long as it's a gift. And how do you give a gift? You, you just give a gift and you say, hey, I like you. Happy birthday. This is for you. And you don't ask anything in return. And I, I know that there are brands that are afraid to do just that. And 
once I, um, I remember I talked about it in my stories and a young brand, uh, skincare brand actually reached out to me and said, okay, so if you don't do any uh, unpaid collaborations and you say that other people don't want to do them neither. So what do I do? I do not have any budget. And I told her, just, just give a gift. Yeah, but how do I know that this influencer will actually post about my product? Well, there is no guarantee. There is no guarantee that this person will do it. But um, as I mentioned earlier, you can invest a little bit of time and see what kind of personality it is, you know? And I think you can um, nowadays from stories, from posts, from everything, you can, um, it gives you quite good understanding if this person will commit or thank you or do something or they would just like throw it in a pile of their PR products <laughs> that they receive. I, when I say nothing in return, um, it's not all black and white. Of course, you can mention that if you like something, it would be cool if you could post something, but you cannot ask, okay, use these hashtags or post on this day, or here is, here is a PDF of 10 pages with guidelines because at the moment you ask for all those things, it, it becomes an ad and you have to pay for an ad. Yeah, that's a good point. And just going back to what we were talking about before, like I get it as a new brand, you have spent money and developing your products. So it can feel scary to not receive any revenue from it. And also if you're a new brand and you haven't produced a large amount of quantities, it can again be a little bit risky if you're going to just give some of it away. But I think to our earlier point, if you do some research on the influencer and see if this is like a product they'll use or if this is clothes that will go with their style, I think that will go a long way. And then, yeah, your point about personalizing is really important too. And at the end of the day, I think you just also have to understand that with running a business, you are going to have marketing costs. And this is just potentially one of your marketing costs, right? So that's also another way to look at it too. Yeah, that's why the world really, really, really needs you so you can explain it to people <laughs> that there is such a thing as marketing cost. And um, speaking of products that I liked, once I got a message on Instagram from a Portuguese brand and there was that kind of short and sweet message that, hey, we like you, please choose something. And I chose a pair of linen trousers that I wore the entire summer. Um, I tagged the brand like a million times because I really, really liked the product and the quality was amazing. And I think so far it was my most successful collaboration, even though I wasn't paid. And I do know that I, I, I don't know if I draw some sales, but I definitely made the brand more known, you know, because I saw the people that I follow, uh, following them and I think that's what matters. Influencers are here to uh, make brands more popular and develop trust. And driving sales is like a desirable side effect. <laughs> totally. Because if the brand awareness isn't there, like if you think about it from a marketing perspective and a sales perspective, they have to go through the funnel, right? So if they don't even know about your brand, how are you going to have the sale at the end of the funnel? And I, again, like, I think you drew a lot of brand awareness to that Portuguese brand, which is great. And then hopefully, to your point, it resulted in a few sales. Yeah, we should think long term. 
definitely. And another really big part about PR packages that are sent to influencers that really breaks my heart and makes me a little bit upset is just all the packaging that goes into it, like all the boxes, all the plastic. And on one hand, I totally get it. You want to make your brand stand out. These influencers are getting so many packages. But in your opinion, is there anything brands can do to be more mindful and conscious, especially when it comes to their PR packaging? Oh, I'm really not an expert when it comes to materials. I thought I was because I thought that this was sustainable and this was not. And then you read somebody's article and there are all these resources and references and you feel like a fool and that you know nothing, you know? Yeah, I mean, packaging's hard, right? Even with compostable or biodegradable poly mailers, like that's not even as sustainable as it's being marketed as. And in fact, it's, it's a lot of greenwashing. Oh, um, I think in summer I um, had an IGTV thing. Oh, no, I, I was trying to do IGTV, but it was actually just Instagram Live with, um, with a girl that knows a lot about plastics. And um, basically we realized that if it says compostable, it doesn't mean it is because um, most likely it's supposed to be composted in an industrial environment with a special temperature with a certain light and like very specific conditions, unless it says com- compostable and I don't know, home environment or something like that, which you, you still need to create this environment in your backyard. <laughs> it's not going to compost, it's just going to rot. And bioplastic are not that bio either because mm, it just means it is made from plant-based material, but it's just plastic. It can as well take another 1,000 years or 500,000 years to biodegrade. In the end of the day, everything is biodegradable. So it's very, mm, very lousy term, I think. That's why it's so easy to greenwash us because there is no, like, there nothing regulated yet, I think, at least not where I live, you know? Yeah, and there's not a lot of education on that too because people just look at the word compostable or biodegradable and just assume it's fine and they can just toss it in their backyard. <laughs> but yeah, I one of the earlier recloseted radio episodes I did, I interviewed Dr. Essie Chili and like people can go back and listen, but I think I remember the one. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so in that podcast episode, Dr. Essie Chili was just talking about how for compostability, it needs to be for a certain duration, it needs to be at a certain temperature, exactly like how you were talking about And for most cities in the world, they don't have the bandwidth for the stuff to compost for that amount of time or at those temperatures. So things are either half composted or not composted at all. And yeah, it's just just a whole mishmash. Yeah. Recently, I noticed that ASCET lets you choose the packaging. You can choose between um, the cool signature packaging that the brand offers or the one that you can later drop uh, drop off at the post office and another person can reuse it. It looks like a big, ugly, yellow plastic bag. Maybe it's only available in Sweden. Um, I'm not sure. But I really, really like this idea because I would gladly reuse it. You know, I, um, I have all these boxes from stuff we order um, because we are in a small town and uh, we're in the pandemic and we can't really go anywhere. So I have no choice but to order some things. And I try to reuse the boxes. So maybe uh, my number one advice for brands would be to create 
boxes or packaging that I can close again after I open them, you know, so I could reuse them when I sell something on Depop or Vinted. I love the idea of making your packaging as reusable as possible. And I also tell clients we work with, like, if you want to make your packaging really luxurious or really cool, that's fine. But you can think about how you can maybe tie something with a silk ribbon and then maybe the person can save the ribbon as like a hair accessory or something later. Like, I think there's ways to be creative and make things be reused. And another thing I think it's really good too is just paper. Like whenever possible, if you can avoid plastic, that's great. And just try to use paper. So then at least that can be recycled, hopefully at one point, or they can reuse it to your point. Maybe they're moving down the line or they need to ship something else like a return or they're doing, you know, a depop, whatever. So yeah, I I don't think like we're going to solve the problem, but it's, it's great to get your thoughts. Yeah, and it's great to get some ribbons too. I love ribbons. I have a box of ribbons and one day I hope to make something cool out of it. <laughs> I really like your suggestion. It's pretty. It's Instagrammable, which will make people want to post to their stories and make the unboxing thing. Totally. Okay, cool. And I had a few fun questions for you because I always think it's interesting to see what everyone's life looks like, especially right now. So do you mind sharing what your morning routine and evening routine is? Okay, my ideal morning routine or my real morning routine? (laughs) Maybe both, because I think it's interesting to do the Instagram version versus the reality version, if that makes sense. Okay, well, I give up the dream of waking up at 5.30, working out and having a smoothie. Um, I wake up at eight around eight some weeks I wake up at 10 it really depends um I make some tea I try to not drink coffee anymore because um, it affects me more than I thought (laughs) after I give up coffee for two weeks I noticed that I actually have different personality (laughs) and I journal I try to avoid looking at my phone because I think it's the key to having a good start to uh, to any day, you know, without bad news, without, without mental clutter. And in the evening, it's quite similar. I have some herbal tea. Um, I try to read before I go to bed. My attention span is really, really tiny and small now with social media. And sometimes I struggle to read three pages. And before I was a, a crazy reader, like a book a day, you know, yeah, that, that's, between the ideal and the real thing but sometimes the tea is wine sometimes the book is netflix and sometimes sometimes it's instagram it really depends i'm trying not to be a perfectionist about it and just see how i feel and embrace my ebbs and flows in my energy you know yep totally i really resonate with that I am in a very similar position where for 2021, one of my goals is to take better care of myself and rest more and give myself whatever that means. So if that means a quick walk instead of like a really intense workout, then that's fine. Or if that looks like Netflix versus reading a book, that's fine too. And I think just, just being okay with honoring however I feel and taking care of myself based on how I feel instead of 
being so regimented to a routine and saying like, no, I have to, I have to read 30 minutes every day. <laughs> so yeah, I really resonate with not trying to be a perfectionist about it. I find myself in a similar place. And I also feel like it's a collective thing that um, the pandemic made people appreciate this small, uh, short walks that you mentioned and um, simple pleasures. You know, it's, it's great to see. Yeah, totally. And I actually had a question around what you were saying, because sometimes as someone that works, you know, your job is sometimes social media or emails, it can feel really hard to switch off because you're like, oh, I'm going to miss a DM or I'm going to miss an email. And, you know, I think you're, you've probably, it seems like you're getting a lot better at that. But for folks that still think that way, do you have any advice? For me, it was a very gradual thing. But the first thing I did is um, switching off all notifications. It's only difficult a day or two, but then you just don't notice them. And then you realize that if you didn't reply to somebody right away, nothing horrible happened. I, I'd say that that would be the first step. And maybe setting a timer, you know, sometimes it helps me to, uh, to work in bursts like I know that for the next 30 minutes I really have to work and I cannot get distracted so I set a timer I think it's called a Pomodoro technique I don't know if you heard about it yeah 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 I love that yeah it's something similar to it Pomodoro says uh, 25 minutes work five minutes rest 25 minutes work five minutes rest Um, for me it's sometimes 30 minutes sometimes 40 minutes and then when I rest, I, I allow myself to check the phone if I want, but usually I don't want. I want something else. <laughs> I want a cup of tea. And yeah, then you just get into it. Your, your brain learns to enjoy um, not processing any information. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I think for this year, one of the things I've been more intentional with is really committing to only checking my phone and my email at 9 a.m., 12 p.m. and then at 4 p.m. and then that's it because before I would just check all the time and it was very mindless like I wouldn't even notice I would be doing it but I would unlock my phone and then immediately subconsciously my fingers are already like reaching for the email app and then the Instagram app and I was just like okay this is an addiction and I need to get a hold of myself. And then another question I had for you is, do you have any books, podcasts, or TV shows right now that you're really liking and you would recommend? You know I like your book. Oh, thank you. It means a lot that you really like our recloseted handbook. And that I recommend your book um, to everybody who asks me where to start. And I include it in my sustainable what's the name of my blog post? I don't remember. <laughs> like. Um, Start a keto slow fashion. Yeah. And um, I included you there because I think you covered everything, everything that has to be covered for somebody to get a grasp of what sustainable fashion is about. You know, I read several books at the moment. I still struggle with finishing them because it's longer than an internet article. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm quite slow. Um, I'm enjoying a lot a book of uh, Philip Pullman it's called His Dark Materials there are three books actually in one Um, it's 
I think, fantasy. I don't know the difference between fiction and fantasy, but yeah, it's very Harry Pottery kind of. Um, Atomic Habits by James Clear. I also love his newsletter. Um, I recommend everybody to subscribe to this man. Um, the Inner Sky by Stephen Forrest, which is um, about astrology, but I really like how he explains um, how everything is linked. He makes it simple and it's not very, um, it's not like reading a horoscope. He explains where it's coming from, you know, all the symbols and why these planets mean this and, and so on. I read another book by Wayne Dyer called There is a there is a spiritual solution to every problem. I read that one when I feel overwhelmed because there is always a quote, a thought, something that makes me reflect in my situation, understand where it's coming from and either let it go or process it and let it go, you know. I really am excited about your recommendations and I'll have to check them out. And yeah, I also have Atomic Habits, but I have so many books to get through. I'm one of those people when someone recommends a book to me, I get really excited and then I buy it and then it just gets put on the shelf and I have so many. So I'm like, I need to, one of my goals this year was to get through all the books I have right now and not buy any new ones. Yeah, I made a promise to my therapist to not buy any new books. It reached that point because once I, I, I brought it up in therapy and I told her, I feel so guilty for having these books and either not reading them at all or not finishing them it's like it's like I'm a bad mother or something and she told me okay just don't buy any new books or give them away or read them you know do something yeah it's true and do you have any last pieces of advice okay I don't want to sound too like I know it all and I'm so good (laughs) no not at all don't worry but yeah, I'd say treat people the way you want to be treated. And influencers should do what they agreed on with brands. And brands should understand that influencing is work. And if we all are open, responsive, and kind to each other, the world will be a um, happy place. I totally agree with that. And I think that there should just be mutual respect on both sides. And The most successful collaborations and partnerships I've seen, at least with my clients, is where there's an understanding, there's open communication, and there's just mutual respect and trust. And that's when the best collaborations and campaigns happen. Yeah, exactly. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. And how can everyone stay in touch? How can everyone support you? If people have questions, how can they reach you? Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I'm really, really happy we had this opportunity to chat a little bit. Your audience can find me um, at alisacause.com. That's my website or on Instagram, alisa.cause. I'm there, always open to conversations. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much, Alisa. I think you had so many really great nuggets of advice, and I know that everyone will really you know, be the, be it they're a consumer or they're a brand owner or they're both. I think there's a lot of great things they can take away from this. So thank you again. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Selena. And that was today's episode. 
If you enjoyed it and you took a lot out of it, it would be greatly appreciated if you could take a screenshot, share it to your Instagram stories, and tag us at Recloseted. Additionally, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe because new episodes will be automatically downloaded and it also helps us as well to continue to provide this podcast for free to you and continue to share all of these valuable resources. If you haven't already, also make sure you rate Recloseted 5 stars if you think we deserve it and write a positive review. That really helps us as well. And we will see you again next week. And in the meantime, together, let's write the harmful fashion industry.